ceiling is the roof. Just two normal dudes here yeah. looking at the camera and now looking at each other. Uh-huh. My name is Bobby Corella, digital whatever for the Mavs. I don't really manage anything. No. Um, I uh-uh. don't even do that much digital content. No. This is Not the really. one time a year where we do podcasts, Mike. A tradition unlike any other, uh-huh. our draft preview show. This is a three-parter. The people demand it. We got a uh, part one out here. Oh, that's Mike Marshall, by the way. Hi. Uh, whatever you are, VP of something. Um, Not important. It's, tr- it's true. <laughs> it's, none of us are important. We're here in Studio 41 presented by Chime. For the first time, our first draft preview podcast was on mm-hmm. Zoom way back in the day. Our second one was a one-parter done in Studio 41 presented by Chime when nothing was on the wall. But now That's we got right. a whole setup, man. We got a whole awesome setup, which is very important. And it's crucial that it looks nice in here because before we talk about 10 of the top players, of course, these are not the top 10, just 10 of the top guys, want to knock out a couple pieces of housekeeping. Number one, we're going to have a whole dang live draft show right here in Studio 41 on draft night. It's going to be featuring me, Mike, Austin Garuya from Dime Magazine and elsewhere on the internet, and then also Isaac Harris, who's a co-host on Locked on Mavs. Uh, we're going to have some other people in here like Chuck Cooperstein, radio voice of the Mavs, and who knows who else is going to hop on with us as well. And so that's going to be happening live. Mavrello, uh, Champ, Mavs man. The invites have been sent out. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Champ can write. I'm not sure he's got opposable thumbs, so I don't know. How I think he's, he's educated enough to write. Like, what's the, <laughs> what's the origin story of Champ here? I don't know. That you're, know. That you're selling was, me. We got a whole backstory on Mavrello. It's true. We don't know anything about Champ. I know. That's why he's not the people's champ, because we don't know like where he came from. We you don't gotta, know anything about Mavsman either. Got to have the prequel. Got to have the origin story. Mavsman's lack of bio, I think, is all part of his whole thing. The mystique. Part of what makes him as scary as he is. He's frightening. Yeah. Like, at the games, like I'm like, get that child away from Mavsman. There's a lot of photos of Mavsman with children. <clears throat> um, so anyway, as you can see on this television screen, uh, conveniently right behind us, we're going to be going live on Twitch and on YouTube. Twitch.tv slash Dallas Mavericks, YouTube.com slash Dallas Mavs or whatever. You right can't here. stop us. Yeah, we're going to be doing it live. It's a second screen experience, obviously, so you're going to want to watch the draft. Uh, it'll be on ESPN starting at or, or around 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. Um, we're going to be starting probably 15, 20 minutes before the draft begins to get our little Mavsy pregame in. So flip it on your TV or your device, however you're going to consume the draft, watch it there. And then we are going to be uh, partying it up all across the internet, live from right here, having a good time, watching the, the draft through a Mavs perspective while also kind of talking about all the trades, all the picks that are made, and everything else uh, around the whole league. So it's going to be really, really fun, and I can't wait for that. Otherwise, part two of this, I think we're going to try and stream on YouTube Live. No guarantees, though. we got to learn the whole platform, Mike. So you might be seeing we'll us see. live in the flesh mm-hmm. on the internet here soon. But in the meantime... Uh, Mike, when was the last time that you saw cheese cubes? Cheese cubes? Um, like the pre-cut, pre-made cheese cubes. Like they have at Whole Foods? You don't go to Whole Foods. <laughs> I don't I can't remember the last Should've time. Dumb I've question. Whole Foods. Yeah, I've been dumb to question. Central Market yeah. within the last two years. Uh, I've seen cheese cubes a lot. Like they have them at the <laughs> Whole Foods. Yeah, at Whole Foods they sell like... They don't have your craft cheese with your singles. They have yeah. a cheese section. Yeah. And like they'll have different little buckets, little totes of, of, of cheeses that are cut into cubes. Now, I think they replaced that with wine at the Whole Foods that's closest to me. Okay. Which I don't know what the... Uh, like wine cubes? The trade aggregator <laughs> is going to say. 
uh, about replacing the cheese section with the wine section, but not that long ago. Why? Uh, just wondering. <clears throat> I went to my sister's this weekend, and we had like a little. Uh, they put together she and her husband. Her husband, newly married. Weird, sister. huh? Yeah. Uh, she and her husband put together like a like a cheese board, whatever crackers and whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, charcuterie board. You were, might call it. It wasn't that grand. We're, I'm talking like you know, just a just a itty bitty. Mm. Okay. Um, no cheese cubes. She said she looked for them, couldn't find any. There were no cheese cubes in the whole store, so she bought like things of cheese, mm-hmm. and we had knives and did it that way. Well, so I don't know if they just to... didn't make it anymore because I was thinking I, I haven't seen cheese cubes in like ten years, fifteen years. Tell her to go to Whole Foods. I will. I will. I don't. I mean, she lives in Louisville. I'm not sure. Problems is there? Whole Foods in Louisville. Uh, you might have to go. You're across. really. You're really trying to. Is this like? Am I being pranked right now? You. you <laughs> be, are you baiting me to dunk on your family on camera? Because I will. Like, I'll do it. I just. I don't. I don't want to. But. So as we do every year, uh, <clears throat> we're going ten players at a time. So kind of the the format for this is not quite rapid fire because obviously these guys deserve a lot of our attention, but given that the Mavs only have the 26th pick, and Mm. I think we're in agreement mutually, Mike, that the Mavs probably are not going to enter into the top 10 of the draft. That'd be Um, really weird. Yeah, I don't foresee that happening, but these are going to be very important players. Now, many of you who are watching this might know a lot about these guys already, so we're going to just try and have some fun. If you haven't heard of any of these guys, well, there's a very Mm -hmm. good chance that out of the next 10 guys we're going to talk about, probably like one or two or three of them will be on an all-star team at some point, Mm -hmm. just based on NBA history. So it's very, very good to know these guys, and some of them are going to be playing right here uh, in the Southwest, right? Like with Houston, the Spurs Mm -hmm. have a pick near the top. The Thunder have the number two pick. So we're going to be seeing a lot of these guys in the years to come, uh, competing against them for playoff positioning and and whatnot, all NBA berths for Luka and all that stuff. So it's good to know all these guys. So basically what we're going to do is each guy spend like, you know, three to five minutes, just give some introductory thoughts. Some aren't interesting at all. I'll just tell you that. Like oh, we, wow. we might we might fast forward on the on the tape player well, pretty quickly. Well, these are the top ten players in the draft, Mike. Uh, according to this random list you put together, but you know, I I read other things. Yeah. I read... Well, I mean, so here's here's the methodology of choosing the, uh-huh. these lists. So, like for example. Yeah. Uh, Shade and Sharp is not part of the 10 that we're going to talk about. Uh-huh. He is like a consensus top 10, potentially even top 5 pick in this draft. Uh, but there's no film of him. So we're going to talk <laughs> about him in the next episode. So there will be guys, like there's going to be a, at He's least one guy foot. in this group that is not going to be picked in the top 10. Heck, one of them could fall even out of the top 15. But I believe all 10 players have been invited at least to sit in the green room, mm-hmm. which suggests there's a pretty good chance they're going to go in the lottery. Um before we actually get rolling with guy number one, do you want me mm. to go first or do you want to go first? Uh, you should probably go first, depending right. uh, depending right, on who first. you have, because um, your guy is projected, projected to be the number one pick. Okay. And by Vegas, you you would lose, well, not lose money, but it's like a negative 200 or something to bet Jabari Smith as the number one pick. But as you mentioned, it is good to know these guys this year, well, just in general for scouting. They come up on their second contract. Maybe it didn't work out there. Maybe you have a little bit more background information of, I remember that guy used to shoot really well. Why didn't he shoot really well his first two years in the league? Like, maybe it's a situational thing. And it's just good background to have. And as you mentioned, OKC has two and 12. San Antonio has nine. Uh, Houston has three. Um, these guys are going to be playing against your Dallas Mavericks really soon. New Orleans uh, is down there at eight. Um, so Got that pick from the Lakers, that... yeah is pretty funny. Yeah. So it, this, this is going to have an impact on us. And 
I think I'm pretty, I, I feel confident thus far in saying this is probably a four or five player draft. Not in terms of, there's going to be other guys that contribute and have good careers, but um, in terms of defining a franchise, changing your decision-making moving forward right now after day one, there's a tier, at least from the guys that I follow. Um, You're talking like day one impact mm -hmm. can affect your... Starting lineup day one, yep. without a question. Um, Centerpiece cornerstone type players. Yes, absolutely. That you don't draft somebody at that exact spot for, I don't know, two, three years at least. Um, I think a first round pick probably gets, or for a lottery pick, top 10 pick probably gets like two to three years of, of leeway. Second round pick, you get like a year to 18 months, right? To show me something. Sometimes training camp. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you're gone after that. But um, the guys I follow for this kind of stuff, Sam Vecini of the the athletic um i've listened to a lot of his podcasts leading up to it and then um kevin o'connor from the ringer those are the two guys i listen to the most uh, and read their stuff so if you want to know um some other people if you're looking for more draft um insight input um materials there you go you got nine days four hours 11 minutes and 25 seconds because you and i certainly do not claim to be experts absolutely not field. no and I, I i don't want to pretend like i'm projecting what a guy can be because that's if i could do that i wouldn't be over here i'd be next door if i could tell you for certain that chet holmgren's gonna add 50 pounds and it's not gonna make him like slow or break i'd be next door that's not what I ever try and do on these. I watch and I tell you what a guy is, how he can contribute like day one in the NBA. And that's really about it that I am comfortable doing within my, my tiny brain and basketball evaluation brain. So well, that's where opinion, we're coming from. It's all personal evaluation anyway, too. And so that was going to be something I asked before we even started is whenever you're watching these guys, because basically how we prepare for this is, I mean, obviously you read, you listen, uh, you see, you know, kind of synthesize other people's opinions who know a whole lot more about this than you or I do. Um, the only draft, two drafts that I've really, really paid a lot of intimate, close attention to throughout the whole, especially in the top 10, were 2017 and 2018 because the Mavs had picks there. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, I just kind of let the, let the actual experts do the talking for me. Um, as you're doing that, though, we just watch a ton of yeah. plays. Uh, what, are, what are qualities? What are traits? What are you looking for whenever you're watching these guys? Yeah, so it depends on what position. Obviously, it's for me, it's really difficult to watch. Or maybe it's not difficult. I just have, like, a really high bar for what a center should be. If you're not, um, I don't know. Like, like Jalen Duran is one of my guys uh, from Memphis. And there are 20 guys in the league that are exactly like Jalen Duran. And so I watch, and after about a minute, I'm like, I understand what you are. I get it. Um, but for the things that separate okay, this is just a dude, this guy is going to take a couple of years. It's like shot creation number one because I just load up Synergy with show me every shot you made last season. I want to see how you win. It can be that simple to me. How do you win inside of a possession consistently? And if it looks like something that's like an accident or it's because of your teammates or it's just like doesn't look right, doesn't feel right after some guys have 200 made shots, some of them have 300 like Keegan Murray, right? Um, if it just doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel like something I see on an NBA court, then I'm like, I, I don't love it. I don't love it immediately. So that's the number one thing is, is how do you win offensively? And then, you know, if someone touts you as a good defender, I'll go and watch your defensive tape. 
not that I won't otherwise, but I would watch like 100 or 200 possessions of, okay, what's isolation? And if you're a big man or a wing, what's the post-up situation look like? Um, for instance, on Chet, like when he gets in post-up situations, he fouls every single time. And it's because he weighs 180 pounds. You know what I mean? So it depends by position. And a lot of the guys, we don't have, I don't think I had, I don't think I had one single guy on here thus far that's, I would consider like, a true point guard. So that's a little bit different. Last year there was like Jalen Suggs, right? Who I fell in love with. Who didn't there are many point guards. There's they just don't exist. Yeah, in this they kind of they just aren't there anymore. Like your Jalen Brunson yeah, they might like be somewhere oriented kind of player. Yeah, they might come in at some point, but like everybody's trying to be a combo guard. Um and almost nobody that's a traditional point guard size or role can pass anymore. It's in, it's it's crazy. Like I heard someone say Paolo Banchero is the best passer in this draft. And he's 6'10", 250. Like, it's, it's almost like the Luka style of being able to pass over the top is more dominant now than anything. Um, so it depends by, by position. And I re, I'll read stuff before I'll watch the guy. So I have some kind of framework to go into this, you know, 100, 200, 300 possessions looking for. Um, and if they don't live up to, like, the words that either Sam Bassini or Kevin O'Connor, whoever I'm reading, like wrote up, I'm like, okay, maybe they have something in their college tape or maybe they just didn't, weren't utilized right. And then I try and square that in my mind. Um, but it can be as simple as how do you win? Because that's how you're gonna play. How do you win offensively? That's game one, October. I'm not starting you if you can't get buckets. Mm. Um, and I think you forgot the most important uh, exercise of this entire oh, yeah. <laughs> this entire podcast series that we do. Um, each player is either different, a problem, or a bucket. Okay. okay. And I have to if I have to explain that you don't get it. It's true. If, you know, if you know, you know, and if you don't, yeah. then yeah, sorry, you don't. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the number one thing I watch for, and then we'll get rolling here, is what can you do or what do you do? Ideally, what did you do in college right. or overseas or whatever that can translate to the NBA today? Mm-hmm. NBA-ready skill, um, NBA-ready uh, fit into systems because a lot of teams run very similar stuff. The Warriors mm-hmm. are doing their own thing. Yeah. The rest of the league is a lot of spread, pick, and roll. Mm-hmm. So if you can't fit into that, yeah. Then it doesn't matter. And yep. if a lot of your defense, uh, your a lot of your defensive highlights come defending post ups, mm-hmm. doesn't matter to me. I don't even watch post up defense because mm-hmm. you're going to defend ten of those per season. Yep. Even if you're a big, mm-hmm. you know, you'll defend Embiid in the post, and that's it. And yep. Embiid is better than everybody, so it doesn't matter if you can defend in the post because right. you're not stopping him. So who cares? How do you defend in space? How do you move in space? How do you score in space? Uh, what are your catch and shoots? Mm-hmm. I don't care about pulling up off the dribble. I don't care about any of that stuff. The the simplest stuff. Can you do it? Mm-hmm. If you can't, then yeah. I'm biased against you automatically. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like how do you operate in a pick and roll? Is I should have said that. That's number one. As That's the, like as the handler, the screener, yeah. or the spot up guy. Yeah, and sometimes guys just aren't involved in pick and rolls, and that's a red flag, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if I click on your Synergy page and there's not enough, if there's not more than 50 possessions there for a ball handler or a big man, I'm like, why is your coach hiding you in pick and roll? Like, yeah. what's going on there? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm automatically give more credit to guys from, like, Villanova, like, mm-hmm. the, uh, the entire Villanova team that won the championship. Yeah. 
or Gonzaga year after year, these very mm-hmm. spread, free-flowing offenses. Like yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I really like to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's, just like you said, like there's some things that it will just – you're not on the list because you don't you can't operate in how the NBA operates nowadays. Likewise with big men. Like if you're over seven foot and you can't shoot from three or stretch the floor or handle a little bit, like how many teams need a guy like that in the lottery? Mm. I don't know if there's one. Yeah. I don't know if there's one team that wants a non shooting big in the lottery. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Because there are a couple of them. Yeah, that there's... Could, that could go. I got one. I got yeah. one on my list. Like, yeah. that dude can't shoot at all. And that might be okay with some teams to draft, like, the next DeAndre Jordan project. Some teams just... that He will not be on the list. Yeah. And he, he, they just don't need it. So, it's a new era, man. Yeah. It's a, it's a different... It's a different era. Mm-hmm. It's very different. Um, all right. So let's get, let's get started. And let's get started with a big that can shoot. Mm-hmm. That is kind of his thing. Yeah. We're talking about Jabari Smith. From Auburn, 6'10", 7'1", wingspan, uh, 220 pounds. His dad played in the NBA. Uh, a lot of the players in the top 10, by the way, are sons of former NBA players mm-hmm. or at least some level of professional uh, overseas or, or whatever, high-level D1 at least. Um, the bloodlines are, are very, very present in, yeah. in this generation of basketball. Jalen Brunson, a perfect example. Luca, right. his dad played basketball. A lot mm-hmm. of younger guys, basically. Uh, we're keeping it in the family here. Uh, Jabari Smith is also a cousin of Kwame Brown, too. So oh, cool. you could have 20 years apart or 21 years apart or whatever. The number one picks could be related mm-hmm. to each other. So that's pretty neat. Um, Jabari at Auburn averaged 17 points a game, 43% from the floor, 43% from three, 80% from the free throw line. As an 18-year-old for most of the year, I think he turned 19 later in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, to shoot 43% from three on like five or six a game is that's completely nuts. wild. Uh, seven he's, boards. He's like a year block. younger than all these dudes. Uh, the yeah, he's. I don't think he reclassified. I think he's just young. But yeah, yeah. he is young. He I, like freshly nineteen, uh, and looks it too. He's a very very young looking yeah. guy. Uh, you know, not a frame that's built out. A little beefier than Chet, for example, but not by much. <laughs> not, not by much. Not hard to be. Um, so here's my uh, here's my quick consolidated Jabari Smith scouting report. Um, he can and will shoot the absolute crap out of the ball. Like, mm-hmm. if he's wide open, he's uh, forget about it. If there's a dude right in his face, forget about it. He's shooting it. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Um, 6'10", long arms, so he's bringing it way back behind his head. Mm-hmm. You know, not like Dirk in the sense of literally behind his head, but just mm-hmm. up high. Um, similar almost to, like, it, he's a little taller than, than Barnes, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, some people compare him to, like, Kevin Durant because KD is very very tall as well, but... KD kind of cocks it back, too, similar mm-hmm. almost to Dirk. Jabari doesn't really do that as much, but Harrison Barnes would shoot it, like, way up here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not blocking Yeah, HB it's shot. like the, it's more the motion for Barnes. It's like, I'm, I'm going to shoot yeah, straight like, through the hoop and try to yeah, come back yeah, down. Yeah, it's going up. But the, the funny thing about Jabari is that it, it's almost like he shoots threes differently than twos. Mm. When he's shooting twos, especially off the dribble, and he can even spin into some twos, he shoots it a lot like Kobe, and he kind of mm. moves like Kobe, too. Like, mm-hmm. he's really, like low sort of like lurched over shoulders kind of like slithering his way through and then as he turns he's kicking his foot out mm-hmm. uh to he, like this very natural sort of fade to his jumper even mm-hmm. if he's not spinning away or fading away from anyone um so it's it's really weird watching a six foot ten guy move like a six five six six guy but he's very very impressive um this season like like i said it's it's tough to contest a shot but the team's never left him open uh he took 133 catch and shoot jumpers this season uh only 23 of them were unguarded. 
Jeez. 23 out of 133 catch-and-shoot jumpers were unguarded. Like, that's whatever, 80, 85% mm. were guarded, yeah. and he still shot 43% from three. Um, on those 23 unguarded shots, by the way, he made 15 of them. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 15 of 23 on uncontested catch-and-shoot yeah. threes. I don't know anything about Auburn basketball. I know their lineage. Like, I know the... You know, Isaac Okoro and uh, Okiki, and they've mm-hmm. always got this, like, type of guard. And so whenever I saw his name start rising, I was like, oh, this is the Auburn guard this year that's going to get drafted you know, 6'10", 10, man. and is not going to really be that guy. He's just going to be, like, a starter that is a really great energy guy. And then, yeah, you start digging into his profile, and it's 6'10", shoots the crap out of the ball, could be the number one pick. Oh, yeah, and he's... He's it's very impressive to watch yep. him. I mean, literally, if he's open, it's in. Like it doesn't matter. And now sometimes it's like, and I kind of get it too, especially because he played four. He played with Walker mm-hmm. Kessler, who's like this rim protector, and you know, kind of not a, really a stretch big man in their offense. A lot of stuff around the basket, and so um, you know, Jabari was playing off the ball a lot as the four a lot. Mm-hmm. They would give him some ISO touches like around the elbow mid post area, and he would take advantage <clears> of those, and he can kind of facilitate from there too. But uh, a lot of his stuff was catch and shoot, and so like mm-hmm. if he's gone two or three possessions without touching it, and then you give it to him, he's putting it up. Yep. So he would take a lot of really early clock jumpers and mm-hmm. missed a lot of those. Just maybe, I mean, KP used to do that a lot too, right? Like yeah. KP took that one against Brooklyn, like mm-hmm. from the logo, I think yep. to like send a point, you know, to like mm-hmm. give me the give yeah. me the ball. Um, so some his shot selection was kind of spotty, but uh, I mean, he's very, very, very impressive. Um, Defensively, and then I'm gonna give you a, a couple weaknesses. But I, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, big fan of his. Defensively, and this is gonna kind of be a, a through line of all of these guys, really. Mm-hmm. Like he tries on defense. Like fundamentally sound yep. on defense. It's not. Whenever I watch him, I'm not watching like an 18, 19 year old kid play mm-hmm. defense. I'm watching like a veteran. I think this is like a really good defensive draft for some reason. Like nobody I've watched, or I mean. Of our guys that we have today, I think like Jaden Ivey might be the worst defender, and he's good. Mm. Like he's legit good. So I don't know. All my guys are good. Yeah. Like I don't know if. Thumbs up. I don't know if that's like a new thing. Like you're not playing if you can't play defense. Um, But this is a very impressive two way, at least top 10 thus far. We'll obviously dig deeper into it later, but. I mean, I th- there's something to be said, though, for, again, their dads all played. Yeah. And a, a lot of them, their their mothers were athletes. Some of them played basketball, mm-hmm. but some of them were just athletes. And so, like, as the as the child of at least one athlete, potentially mm-hmm. two athletes, like, you are getting discipline instilled into you. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be detail-oriented. Um, and I think college basketball, you know, obviously I don't know anything about AAU and college basketball, like, recruiting and everything, but um, kind of these, like, just basketball factories where it's just, mm-hmm. like, Calipari at Kentucky, like, it doesn't matter. Your five stars come here to play. I'll just let you do whatever you want. Like, that's right. not happening anymore. Yeah. Like, these guys are going to places where they're at least getting coached, mm-hmm. and they're having to they're having to show what they can do. Otherwise, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to take you number one overall if you're not guarding anybody. Right. You know? Um, so, defense for him, you know, he's, he's quick-footed, still does get beat from time to time, but the effort is there, which matters a lot. Um, he's playing power forward at Auburn and presumably he'll play four most of the time in the NBA mm-hmm. could close at the five, I, I suppose, but, um, you know, he's not really going to be your rim protector. I don't think so. He's going to kind of be like, cause he's six ten and long. So it's, you, you're tempted to say like the Evan Mobley, Anthony Davis kind of 
secondary big man. He's not that. You know, he's he's got to get a lot beefer to be AD. And Evan Mobley's like a generational defender uh, prospect, so he's not those guys. But opponents this year on off the dribble jumpers against him shot seven of forty three. So he can move his feet and he can use his length to mm-hmm. get that shot. So it's it's very impressive. Uh, but as the four, if you're going to be the four, then you have to be able to do the Maxi thing or the Draymond thing where you're switching the Al Horford, Robert Williams thing where you're switching and guarding smaller guys. So you have to give the effort and you have to be able to move your feet. Um, final last sort of uh, thoughts on him. The one, I guess there's two. Uh, the one weakness that I see in his shooting game is sometimes he'd just take a dribble for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a big like catch the ball, evaluate, and then just like dribble, I guess, to get a rhythm. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes he'd take a step forward. So he'd turn a three yeah, into a long two. two. And it's like, what are you doing, man? Just shoot the ball. Uh, some of that could be like maybe I don't know what happened before that. Maybe mm-hmm. he missed one and didn't want to be a ball hog or whatever. I have no idea. But a lot of the times he would just like dribble uh, and then shoot the long two. Just don't do that. Just mm-hmm. clean it out. <laughs> Stop doing that one. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes, you know, going to the basket, kind of reminiscent like he's explosive and he's definitely mm-hmm. an athlete. He's like a fluid athlete. But the and he is capable of dribbling the ball, but it doesn't look like it. Like mm. whenever he's driving to the basket, it's sort of this like clumsy kind of thing that reminds me of like Cat or mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson, mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm not totally sure they're under control, but he's still getting to where he wants to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going to be doing that sort of like herky-jerky, like wild, wacky thing, if you're wanting to get the foul call, you've got to put on some beef mm-hmm. because if you're just a, a little skinny rail, like young Dirk going to the basket, you get knocked down, you're not getting any calls. Yeah. So if you, you I read know, some Michael iron, Porter Jr. comps offensively. I could see that a little bit. Where it's like he's just baiting you to get to the spot that he wants to to rise up. Where it's yeah, not yeah, like, I can see that. I can see yeah. that. But like, there's no like, if you don't go to that spot, he's mm. gonna keep driving and sort of. It's not. He's like almost doesn't even drive to the basket. He's like driving like down the the free throw, like the mm. the key, mm-hmm. like the where the guys stand. What, what do you call that? Where the guys stand for the free throw? Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Like the edge, edge of the lane. Like of the he's pain, not. Yeah. He's not like taking a direct path to the basket. Mm. He's just like dribbling, hoping that you mess up. Mm. And now he's also like a kid, so yeah. that'll eventually iron itself out. But yeah, very, very impressive player. Super duper impressive player. Like Richard Lewis levels of he's gonna score twenty points on like mm-hmm. nine shots. Yeah. Like that's the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And then if he ever gets any sort of like off the dribble game, then oh my god, he's yeah. gonna just be. He could be a a, a major major problem okay a problem yeah gotcha um yeah that's the biggest critique i kind of read with him is like you wish there was more to his dribble package Mm. but he's 6'10 like yeah in college you don't necessarily need it in the nba if there was more to his dribble package then he'd be a hall of famer yeah you know like he'd have a hall of fame so like my criticism of the guy is not like why can't you just be a legend yeah yeah (laughs) why can't you just be perfect at everything yeah no that's he's very interesting, man. He rose really quick too because mm. it was kind of, I think it was like Palo coming into the year as the number one pick, and, and then Chet. and Chet. Chet. I've known Chet's name for like ever, um, so I just assumed like, I don't know, he'll discover like mac and cheese or something and start eating like carbs, um, and by the time he gets to college, like it'll be you know he'll be like not a lot of cheese cubes. <laughs> <in Spokane. laughs> no, no, no. He must live at a Corella. Uh, zip code <laughs> uh, can't find the cheese cheese cubes. Um, so I, I assume Chet would be like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns. You know, fill in the blank. DeAndre Ayton, Carl Anthony Towns, all these bigs that eventually get their body right. Um, but yeah, let's segue into Chet. Uh, if you're done with 
Jabari. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Love, love Jabari. Love yeah. Jabari. These... Uh, cool what? name, too. Yeah, very cool name. Um, hopefully, uh, Jamal Mosley gets a good one. And Jabari, Jabari Smith down there. So, happy for Mose. Um, yeah, Chet Holmgren. I don't think uh, Dave Holmgren, his dad, was... <laughs> great NBA player or anything. <laughs> Good with the camera work, but um yeah, so he might be the one outlier in this whole uh this whole test. Dude, he belongs in Oklahoma City. Like, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh some background work on on Chet Holmgren. Um center from Gonzaga. He you might have heard his name for a long long time. He's just um he he got on the radar I think a couple of years ago because um I can't. It was, I think it was Amani Bates. He was playing against in one of these games, and Amani Bates will be a name um, people know about pretty soon. But um, Chet just—he <laughs> doesn't act like he looks, or he, he's just a really fiery, like super competitive, seven foot tall, hundred eighty pound guy. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's really weird. And people started like hyping him on on Twitter and you know across the internet because you know. He would dunk on people and block people and would just like dominate AAU circuits and uh, grassroots circuits. And he would just like talk that S the entire time. <laughs> and so people kind of knew his name, but then he went to Gonzaga and, you know, got some coaching. And um, they did a good season. He had some phenomenal stat lines, a couple games of like five blocks and things like that. Um, he hasn't put on any, he put on five pounds. Like that's, that's all. He went from 190 to 195. You can uh, see every pound, though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's, and we'll we'll talk about more about how that kind of translates. But um, played in high school with uh, with Jalen Suggs. Uh, Jalen Suggs went to Gonzaga. Obviously, went like fifth or fourth last year to uh, to Orlando. Um, and <laughs> once Jalen Suggs left that high school team, the starting guards. This is just a free fun fact for you. Were the sons of Master P. Oh wow! <laughs> From nice. No Limit Records, nice. Hersey and Mercy uh, played <laughs> high school ball with Chet Holmgren uh, at this high school. I should have looked it up. I think it's in Minnesota. Um, so yeah, he got to play ball with Master P's sons, who I guess are good, good enough to play on that team, and they won, I guess, four straight state titles now. Um, so there's some. He's played with legit top five picks in his history. Um, if you know anything about Chet Holmgren, you know there's no weight to him, and he's taller than hell and just as skinny as can be. And that's the great mystery. Like, he's a mystery box. Like, I can watch his games right now, and this is why he's kind of like a hard scout, but also uh, super intriguing because I don't know how to project what 40 pounds heavier Chet Holmgren looks like. I don't know if anybody does. And maybe Casey Smith or Jeremy Holsoppel could tell me, like, how long, how many years does it take to put on good weight? Like, if I needed to put on 40 pounds of, like, muscle and not be, like, fat, does that take years? Because you have to condition your body to be Yes. Like, your knees, and yeah. knees especially. Yeah, you, you can destroy one part if you get out of balance. And so that's the... Like even KP said that. KP yeah. put all, did the whole Ivan Drago thing. It mm -hmm. was like, that was not good for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it is for a lot of guys. And at some point, there's what your body's built to carry. Um, 
and you know it might just be a metabolism metabolism thing with him, but his he he's got bird bones. Like he is so light for a dude that plays center. Um, but legitimately, right now, the most unique player you probably probably ever watched. Like whatever you think watching like Pokashevsky in the whatever third league that he was playing in. Like Chet's that playing in college basketball, but better. Like a plus plus version of Pokashevsky, seven foot tall can dribble, can take the rebound, take it the entire court. And if you don't stop him, if you're not in his face once you get to half court, dude, he's going to bury a three on you. And it's insane to watch. It's like the weirdest <laughs> crap to watch. Because uh, he's just like this pterodactyl that's like rebound, go, shoot from three, pull up. And if you don't get in his face, like he's going to dunk. He's, he's smooth enough with his handle. Uh, it's just a really, really bizarre player that you've probably never seen before. Um, like I mentioned, he's probably 40 pounds away from being like a Giannis level of anomaly in the league. Like this guy doesn't exist. And so it's hard for people to comp, but I also was thinking about most of the players that are stars now or MVP caliber players, um, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, Luka, those guys didn't really have comps coming up. They didn't. Well, Hito Turkoglu, if you, uh, depending <laughs> on who you ask about Luca. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, LeBron was like, Luca could be LeBron. Like, that's fully actualized Luca, right? Jokic didn't have a comp. There's, I mean, Sabonis, if you want to be like cute, but he's better. He's clearly better. Like, Embiid doesn't have a comp. Like, the guys that are so unique that they don't have comps, or maybe there's one, there's one of them that has ever succeeded in this league. And it's not just succeeded in this league, it's that. No one has ever tried that. Chet's like that. And so people get freaked out because I, you know, I haven't seen a 200-pound seven-footer that can handle the ball and shoot the three. Okay, that just means it hasn't happened yet to me. And so, and I'm not saying he's going to succeed at seven-foot 200. He needs to legitimately go hang out at GNC or wherever. Like and He is listed at 195. Yeah, that's accurate. That's accurate. I, it might not be, though. Yeah. Like, it could be lighter, yeah. yeah. It could be lighter, 100%. Um, but the thing that's different about him is... Oh, okay, so he's different? Uh, he is different. He is different. Okay. He is different. That's the label I put on him. Uh, but the, the stuff that's different is you might go like, oh, that's Mo Bamba. Like, I've seen that guy. He challenges everything dunks everything dude. he's way more skilled than that he's got a dribble package he's got handles he can take it off the three-point line and attack the basket put a spin move on you and then go left or right hand at the basket he can shoot he's a really good shooter it's just it was like 39 percent, i think I guess yeah the, the body's just not there and the thing the negatives for him is um Really, really good help defender. Spot-ups, or not spot-ups, post-ups, he fouls way too much. Like, he's going to get fouled out of games. And if, like, he, they played, I think, St. Mary's, like, five times this season or something. And St. Mary's has the most average center I've ever seen. Most college basketball, <laughs> like, normal center. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly whatever you're thinking is that guy. <laughs> um, and he would put him in the hoop sometimes. Like, he would just do a couple, like, power dribbles and stomp left and right 
and Chet's butt would be like in the hoop. Some dude just <laughs> dominating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they would go, they had some battles. I mean, Chet would yeah. obviously win because Gonzaga's better. Yeah. But this was a big, burly SOB from St. Mary's that's, you know, ginger, and he's just like, Power dribbling past Chet. Like, I see Chet go against like Cleveland State Center that we yeah. saw the other day. Yeah. Chopper with uh, with Isaac. <laughs> the, the, you should see the center. I'll, I'll pull you should you see the pull. Loyola Marymount Center. Have you seen that, dude? <laughs> dude, that's Kenny Powers. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. Like, here, look at this dude. Look at this dude. Him. <laughs> Gnarly. Dude's awesome. Oh, I need to figure man, out that is great. Figure out his name and pull up a headshot, Chop, because that dude rocks. <laughs> um, but yeah, if he gets if he isolation, he's honestly a better defender than he is in post ups because post ups he'll end up fouling you because he gets so awkward and his like hips are over here and he's still trying to block you and it's like guys will get his arms crossed up in post ups. Um, this dude. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Six eight three zero five. Awesome. Let's go. Yeah, I need that guy, the Loyola, Loyola Marymount Center in the St. Mary's Center. <laughs> and chat. Yeah, to play like to play like knockout or something. Um, Six yeah. Four hours. Yeah. So I'm, my concern is he needs a million minutes to realize like where my strength needs to be. I don't know if he's going to get a million minutes because I mean, he is might. He, is he? He's a center. Like, mm-hmm. do you need like a? Another AD, guy? Like, do you need like a big guy to help? Sort of. I don't help him. I mean, I don't think know. so. I'd rather, and this is why he's a perfect fit for the Thunder. I don't think so. I'd rather just throw him out there and say, "Figure it out." Yeah, and then you see, figure you it adjust out, adjust from there. Yeah, figure it out when they're throwing Aiton, Embiid, all the centers that are like <laughs> full body big boys at you, yeah. game after game. Uh, go out there and figure out how to how to defend this and how they don't just continuously post you up, which you're not going to defend a lot of post-ups, but if the Sixers come to town, dude, you're going to get back down underneath the basket over and over and over. What's your counter? Mm-hmm. And he can't add weight quick enough for that to be the answer. You know what I mean? He's either got to like not allow him to get the entry pass to begin with because if you get in the paint against him, like I said, the very average like St. Mary's center is knocking him out of bounds and like just getting like easy layups. Yeah. But he also would block half like half the shots. He just is a very risky defender once he starts getting engaged with somebody. ISO de- defensively, he's awesome, dude. He'll get down low and it's like it's the creepiest thing. <laughs> like it's like this pterodactyl's flying at you and like guys are trying to like take him and they're just like I don't know, get the ball off me, get the ball off me, go away. Um, but yeah, he's he's just like the most unique dude you've ever seen. And he's 40 pounds away from being one of the most unique players. And I'm not going to say uh, the the unicorn word. I'm not going to apply that to him. Um, but he's just awesome. And I, I'm not a physical trainer, <laughs> personal trainer. So I don't know if you can realistically throw that kind of weight on him. But somebody's going to take him in the top three and they're going to bet that they can. They're 100% going to bet that they can. But he also needs to play on a team that doesn't really give a crap right now because I don't know if he's a plus player immediately. He's going to be a plus help defender. Offensively, I, he, he will get out in transition and score. He'll get buckets. But, man, it's, it's a couple years away, but that's a bet and a gamble that I'd be willing to take.
He's awesome. Like he's such a good, such a good basketball plus his player. Dad rules. Yeah, plus so. his dad's gonna be in your arena with his like freaking Canon camera, single hand camera up there in the stands, like just rocking out. So <laughs> um, he's got a ponytail and glasses. It's great. Yeah, he's it's good. Uh, all right, so those are probably gonna be your top two picks. Mm-hmm. Um, next couple guys probably gonna go three and four in some order, and then after that, it's just the rest. So next up. Paolo Bancaro from Duke, six foot ten, seven foot wingspan, two fifty. Is basically in your head. Think about if Melo, Carmelo, not Lamelo. If Carmelo was built like Blake Griffin, but had Chris Webber's passing ability, mm. like that's what Paolo is on offense. Um, dude is a real Hooper's bucket mm. in ISO, but he mm. can pass, which is it's is a really really interesting player to watch because. Again, 6'10", 250. So he he likes being in the mid-range. He likes facing guys up. He even likes working in the mid-post a little bit. But he really likes operating in this mid-range area. But is pretty inefficient at it. Um, shot 45 of 124 on off the dribble jumpers. You know, a lot of those being like heavily contested fadeaway twos. That's only 36%, which is really not good. Uh, but because he's 6'10", and 250, super strong, super athletic, super quick... Uh, <laughs> oh, dude. That's the Loyola Marymount Center. <laughs> I love him. Come come into the Studio Forty One, presented by Chime. Come on, come on, Mavs Twitch. That's my guy. Um, so he can, you know, he wants to do, and and that type of stuff, I guess, can be polished and worked on. And if you are gonna be this sort of like face up mid post, kind of like swing big, mm. maybe even a small ball five. I'm not really sure what his future holds then you have to have some sort of ability to stop and pop. So that's going to be yeah. something that he has to work on. Uh, but when he gets going and when he's around the basket, he's just so strong. I mean, 6'10", 250, yeah. and he's like 19 years old. Most dudes he's can't a legit have that. 250. Yeah, most dudes can't have that kind of weight. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about Chet, obviously, and that's a the way other end of the spectrum. Yeah, and it, it ain't roly-poly weight either. I mean, this yeah. dude is like chiseled, and, and he can jump, and he can run, and he's quick, and he's, he's fleet of foot too. Like some of his spin moves, you know, a guy that size – making spin moves that quick and that mm-hmm. tight is like it's like shocking to yeah. watch. It's like oh my god. I mean, yeah. he'll literally just disappear and yeah. reappear at the basket. He looks he looks like a man. He yeah. looks like remember when he looks Obi, like he's 25, dude. Yeah, when when Obi Toppin came out and it was like I don't know if he's ever going to be anything if like the polish is ever going to get there, the shot's going to get there, but that dude looks like NBA player. He yeah. looks like elite athlete NBA player. Yeah. I mean, he's got an unbelievable unbelievable frame and, you know, that he uses it. Like he knows how to use his weight and his size and his strength around the basket because he's not even in the post-ups in the sense of like, all right, dump it down on the block, dribble, dribble, spin. Like, just literally, I'm going to dribble at you, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to turn around, and mm-hmm. then I'm just going to like baby hook it in or dunk right over you or whatever. Like, he uses his body to fend guys off. And the really impressive thing about it, um, you know, I, I use the mellow thing. Mellow is like, you know, his, his critics would say that he's like a ball stopper. He's definitely going to mm-hmm. catch, you know, Paolo would definitely catch the ball, read the floor. Mm. And then dribble, dribble, dribble. Like, there is sort of this, like, slow-down nature to his game. Mm-hmm. But the entire time he's doing all of that and the entire time he's dribbling to the basket, the entire time his back is to the basket or he's making a move, his head is up. And yeah. he, he, he can read the floor. Um, he can find guys on the weak side. He can find guys from the top of the arc. He can kick it out to the top of the arc. He can find cutters. Uh, they played with Mark Williams, who's a big-time mm-hmm. like you know rim-running big man. He found him on cuts to the basket all the time. He could feel where the double team was coming from. Like 
really, really, really impressive high IQ passer, which is important if you're going to be the fulcrum, especially as a forward, because mm-hmm. you're not really going to be running pick and rolls, but you have to be able right. to make those those passes. Um, and against like Syracuse, for example, he played three games against Syracuse. Obviously, they play a lot of two three zone. In those three games, he had twenty assists Damn. against only seven turnovers. So he's averaging six assists and two turnovers a game against his zone. Like it's unfair. Yeah. And and he would also just catch it and turn around and flip it in because he doesn't think, mind shooting mid range. I, I mean, think Vicini called him the best passer in this draft. Yeah, and that all, I, I, I would anybody. not disagree. He's really really impressive, man. I mean, and it's it's again it's like the tough passes too. Like I'm like you know mid low post like out beyond like the block and mm-hmm. i'm like looking over my shoulder firing one of these passes to the weak side corner mm-hmm. like against pressure you know very very impressive um he's a little right hand dominant uh so in isolation which again he isos a lot uh he drove to the lane 53 times uh to his right so 53 mm-hmm. drives with his right hand uh, he pulled up for a jumper only 14 times and made it all the way to the basket on 26 occasions. So basically two drives for every mm-hmm. one pull-up. Going to his left, he made it to the basket 23 times, had to pull up for the jumper 27 times. So about mm-hmm. even split. Um, he would dribble left and then try and get it right, which, yeah. you know, you got to work on your left hand, but he's also, again, he's 19. Like, Luca, remember his rookie year, Luca mm-hmm. could not finish left. Yep. And then all of a sudden he came back and he did, and it – he made first team All NBA. Um, got so much again, strength, quickness, power. Um, almost a bully like Julius Randle, but again, has way more skill in my opinion. Um, he's like if if you went back to 2003 and you were like, what could the power forward position look like 20 years from now? Like that's who you would think of. Um, and on defense, he can use that as well. Like you know, he's I, I don't know what Maxi's listed at. I think Maxi has shed a little bit of weight since mm-hmm. he came to the league just because of his injuries and stuff, but. Big, bulky truck like Maxi who can move, which suits him well on defense, I think. Um, versatility, you know, is he going to defend point guards? Probably not. Can he defend bigger wings? Absolutely. Thicker guards? Absolutely. Um, bigs? Absolutely. Um, and that's what makes me think, like, could he be your small ball five? Certainly in closing lineups, but, like, could you roll him out at center, like, all the time? Mm. Um, if he's going to be your superstar, probably not because you want to protect him from foul trouble. But, like, in the playoffs – why not, dude? Like, if you're not going up against Embiid or Jokic, then who cares? Like, yeah. just put him out there because he is a matchup nightmare. Destroy smaller guys, quicker than faster than than bigger guys. Uh, you know, stronger than faster guys. Like, dude, he's he's very very impressive. Just has to get better at you know shooting in the mid range. Has to get better at shooting from three. Um, and then also his agency site is password protected which I feel like is a little tacky. <laughs> I want to find out who else's agency represents, and I can't yeah. because it's password protected. Uh-huh. I feel like it's a little, it's a little sketch. You checked Reddit? Uh, no, I should. Okay. It might be out there. What, so is he, what, like a, like a bucket? He's a bucket. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. okay. Yeah, I said right of the way, he's a real Hooper's bucket. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. He's <laughs> a real Hooper's. You but he's too got, many code words yeah, there for But me. he's got, I mean, he's, he's way more than just to dump it in isolation, cool mm. dribble into like a 15-foot midi. Like, mm-hmm. He's got so much skill. Like, again, the passing is unbelievable. The dribbling, the playmaking, going to the basket, the strength, everything. He's he's very, very, very impressive player. Can he be the best offensive player on a good team? I don't know. I mean, he's 19, so no. But in five years, like, maybe. I don't know. I mean, he seems, again, he seems like, uh, like whenever Blake was at his peak, mm-hmm. like, Blake would get six, seven assists in a game. Yeah. 
He could also run, pick, and roll, but that was a different era of the league. Like, teams weren't really ready for that yet. So, I mean, I don't know. If he's used as a guy like Blake or Chris Weber, where it's a lot of, like, funneling stuff through at the elbows and putting him in position to make plays, like, then it would be a neat offense. Mm -hmm. It would be completely devastating if he was, like, with a real speedy point guard who could, like, burn guys and then he just destroys them on switches. Like, it, it would be uh, – I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what the future holds for him. Yeah, I mean, there's – What's well, a cool name? Paolo Bancaro. He's yeah. Italian. Like, it's awesome. That's pretty gnarly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's projected to the Rockets right now. Him and Jalen Green, like, figuring it, it out together would be – It's a lot of – a lot of offense, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, with Kevin Porter and Christian Wood and all those guys. But that would yeah. be a, a neat team. I think they and would. Eric Gordon, too. I think they'd probably make some some roster changes yep. uh, if they got Paolo. But, yeah, him and Jalen Green, like, figuring it out together. Dude, if I was a coach, I would be very excited to, like, try and figure out a way to use him. Like, yeah. build an offense around his skill set. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, that's Paolo. He's, he's intriguing. Um, like, he... The top four is like very, very good. Like upside and yeah, the drop off exists after. Yeah, guy. yeah. I think um, yeah. My my guy that's my second guy after this dude is is uh, Keegan Murray, and I'm like, yeah, I think he's good, and I think he's gonna be like a really good scorer. But I just I don't know. There's just like not a there's nothing more to it, and we'll get to him in a minute. But um. Jaden Ivey is my second guy, and I specifically requested Jaden Ivey uh, from the... The Mike Marshall kind of guy. From the overlord uh, of draft board, Bobby. Jaden Ivey, combo guard for Purdue. He is a sophomore, if that's the type of thing you're not into. Um, Mom is the head basketball coach for the Notre Dame women's college basketball team. If you didn't know that, dad played professionally or semi-professionally somewhere son of a coach is yeah yep yep especially as a guard yeah and his mom coached in the league in the nba and then went over to notre dame for women's basketball um and became the head coach so um this dude i don't want to oversell him because he's going fourth he's obviously not going number one um and that might just be because he's a sophomore. If he did this as a freshman, I, he might be the best player in this draft. Um, he seems so obvious to me that he's Donovan Mitchell. He's John Morant. He's that dude that has otherworldly athleticism and first step and just has like the lower body of a god that can jump and leap and long stride and do whatever he wants in space. And it's a little clunky and kind of complicated while in college because the spacing isn't there. Then you get to the league and there's so much more room. Oh, yeah. And it's easier to get buckets. And I think the, as much as people talk about Ja and talked about Donovan Mitchell for two years, I think we're going to get annoyed by hearing about Jaden Ivey in a couple of years because he is so freaking fast for a big dude, for like a thick dude. Like he he's is like 6'4", right? I mean, yeah. he's got size. Yeah, he's got decent size. He's 6'4", um, not quite like the length you'd want. Like that's why I say Donovan Mitchell, right? Not quite the length you'd want for like a true wing, like go defend the other three or four, but a little bit of on ball, 
uh, point guard uh, responsibilities in his game, but legitimately the fastest player in college basketball with the ball in his hands. Legitimately. Like, I would take him in a race, like run down to the other end and run back dribbling. He's going to smoke those dudes. Dude, it is just bouncy, electric juice everywhere. Like, he's just he, – he gets in – it's so simple to get him a good shot. You just have to set one screen or get him coming off a, uh, an off-ball action, get the ball in his hands, and if he's going towards the basket, it's already over. It is over because he's going to get there and he's going to dunk most of the time or he's going to get there and he's going to get fouled, and he's really good at finishing around the rim. I mean, it's like Anthony Edwards-level athleticism, explosiveness, get to the rim, and the only thing that's wrong with him is he's a sophomore. That's it. Which is a ridiculous yeah, thing. Doesn't to be, matter. Yeah, ridiculous. Thing. Does not matter. Um, like every team that wants Jalen Brunson now is like, well, he was a junior, so we yeah. didn't draft him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Who's saying that now, right? Yep. Who took the thirty-second guy and is like, well, we were still right because Jalen Brunson was a junior, and yep. it's like, nah, bro, you took an inferior player. Mm. And I'm not saying he's better than Paolo Orchet or uh, Jabari. What I'm saying is whoever has the fourth pick in this draft and whoever keeps that pick and takes or the fifth pick and takes Jaden Ivey, you are so freaking lucky. And, you know, he might end up going to the Kings and it might be might not get used properly or um, who's fifth? Let me check. Uh, Pistons would be an absolute nightmare, just quite honestly. If you got him and Cade. As like that would be that would be pretty cool, dude. If, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, if it's if it's Cade and his just nonsense of like just messing with you on pick and rolls, and then Jade Nivey's like coming off a a pin down and just getting the ball and just nuking everybody in the lane, like that would be a combo. That'd be incredible for them. It would almost be as good as Luca Dennis. Yeah, almost, <laughs> almost. Um, defensive playmaker. I don't think he's like a great on ball defender. Tries. Jumps passing lanes really, really well. Like he's he creates fast breaks really quick. Um, things I didn't really like, and the kind of ways that he can he can go wrong. Really low release point. Think of Jaw. You know, Jaw's like ends up at like a forty five degree angle on his release, where it's like here mm. instead of like here. Like the best shooters ever. Like usually release the ball higher. It's just kind of part of it. Jaw shoots it lower, where it's more like straight in front of his face. It looks like Jaw Morant's shot. And so I never really think it's going in, but he shoots enough of them and makes enough of them. Um, I think he was, what, 37% on 146 takes. So there's enough there. Didn't shoot well uh, freshman year. Um, and I don't know, you know, if he came out last season, I don't know if he's top 20 or something like that. But this dude, like, I'm in love with Jaden Ivey. Like, his highlights are the coolest highlights. He does this nonstop, and it's like one of those – Cool last name, too. Yeah, and he's, he's so good at it. He's one of those dudes you watch and you're like, why don't you do that every possession? Like, just do it every possession because you could. And he's so smart. when he, Even when he's navigating a pick and roll and he's not good at passing. He's, that's, the, that's the thing. He's sophomore and he cannot be a lead point guard. I think he has like three assists to like 2.9 turnovers per game. So he's got like a flat <laughs> turnover to assist margin. Yeah. Um, that was like a Terry Rozier thing in 2015. Yeah. It was like he's played point guard, but not really. Yeah, kind of and he has some 
And I don't know if it's just because of circumstance. Like Purdue had this like this giant white dude, number fifteen, that oh, was like seven foot five. Yeah, yeah, humongous dude. And that guy's setting a screen for you. And then you have the fastest player in college basketball coming off that screen, and you're like, who am I supposed to pass to right now? This guy's still back there at the three-point line. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's not prodding like Luca. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, every once in a while he would, but he would just, he made some really weird passes of, like, you're playing, you're on a different script than this guy. Every, then, then they had another guy, their backup center was number 50. He kind of looked like homeboy you showed me a minute ago. Um, just yeah. slow yeah. and big. And Jaden Ivey's like, I'm already at the basket. Just why don't we just do this? Um, dude, he would they try and trap him on pick and roll, and he's so quick left or right, and he's mainly right. He's he's got a little bit of right dominance, but I've seen him do it left too, where he'll just like dribble around the dude. And it's like, okay, you're supposed to either split or pass, and you just were like, no reset dribble, like go around both these guys and get the basket and dunk on you. Just create a dunk show. Like that's what he would do constantly. Um, low release point, didn't love that. I do worry if, and this is like a dumb criticism, but it's something that popped in my head. I'm like, what if he turns into like Westbrook, where he's just like, I mean, Russ had a he's an MVP career. Yeah, he's an MVP, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, I was like, everyone like laughs at Russ now, but I'm like, he had an MVP season. He was like a phenomenal player. So, uh, and that's kind of that's the kind of athleticism I'm talking about. Mm. Like, just you can't do crap about it, and he doesn't care if he does it 10 times in a row. He's not going to get bored with it. Um, but a bad pick-and-roll ball handler. I'm just going to say bad passer mm. out of that. It's just confusing. It is tough with guard, guards and bigs, man. And this mm. <laughs> the draft is loaded with guards and bigs at the yeah. top. So it's, it's a big learning curve. Yeah, and maybe it's easier when he gets to the league and the spacing's different and that second defender is helping before you're even there and you can just go like that and kick it to the corner or kick it to the opposite corner because it just... I. And you're playing on Purdue. Like, it's not like the most elite team. Like, they're not, <laughs> they don't have to leave the shooters necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what's the incentive? But in the league, if you're playing with the Pistons, say, and you've got, uh, what's Villanova dude, number 41? Sadiq. Yeah, Sadiq's out there. A little too uh, soon, Mike. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Um, then you're staying and you're getting to the basket. Or if it just, the geometry is going to change for him. And that's what happened with John, Donovan Mitchell. No one saw it, right? They were just like, Oh, dude, can get to the basket anytime he wants. Um, and he had some games that were just really spectacular. And he was a sophomore, and he didn't go, you know, uh, ninth that year. <laughs> uh, he went 11th, right? Um, this seems like an obvious deal of Jaden Ivey's going to be awesome. Um, and the kind of player he is, I've seen a handful of times now. And once you get to the league, they just get better. Mm. Um, so he is a. Absolute problem. Ooh, okay. All right, so we got two problems. Mm-hmm. We got two problems. All right, so for the final six, so those are, those are your top four. Those mm-hmm. are, in some order, almost certainly going to be the top four picks in the draft. Um, you know, reportedly right now, it's the order we did them in. Smith, Holmgren, Paolo, and Ivy. Yeah, K- KOC up- has Keegan Murray going four, and then... Jaden Ivey going five, but it's... Oh, okay. Man, I think he might just be trying to manifest a Cade-Ivey backcourt. I, I cannot blame him. That would yeah. be incredible. It'll be fun. But uh, so the, these next guys are all, you know, there's kind of a drop-off. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pick up the tempo a little bit here because I know we're, we're starting to get into uh, to hour two. We're approaching hour two here. Um, next guy, A.J. Griffin. 
Born in Dallas, Texas. <coughs> yeah. Back in up. 2003, the son of Adrian Griffin, former Maverick, which mm-hmm. I maybe he was born in Dallas for other reasons. I'm assuming that they're related, uh, connected events. Adrian Griffin's tenure with the Mavs and uh, him being born here. Uh, AJ, six foot six, seven foot wingspan, 222 pounds, uh, played one year at Duke. Uh, while we're talking about bloodlines, Obviously, his father, Adrian, played a million years in the NBA, and his mother was a track star at Seton Hall. So uh, there you go. More athletes. Uh, High school teammates with R.J. Davis, who was his rival at UNC, of course, and he missed two years of high school due to injuries. So very interesting case with A.J. Griffin. That's kind of like my my overall sort of thesis on him is like it's so bizarre because... You know, your age 16 and 17 or 17 and 18, whatever, years are so important for your development, just mm-hmm. like for knowing what you can do. And then whenever you get to college, it's like, all right, how can we apply it? And then you get to the NBA, it's like, all right, what are you actually good at? And how do you learn how to play the game? You miss those two years, it can be very costly. Mm-hmm. And like, we're talking like basic fundamental stuff, like how to do the defensive stance kind of thing. And what is a pick and roll kind of thing? Like doing all these reps, not only at high school, but also AAU, like, just not playing basketball at all for two years is very bad. But he's also the son of a really high-level NBA coach. Like, Adrian played, obviously, but he's also, like, one of the top assistants in all of basketball mm-hmm. right now. Gets head coach interviews all the time. I'm sure eventually is going to be a head coach. And so he already knows the game. And he played at Duke with a bunch of five-star guys. And mm-hmm. he fit right in. So, like, did he really miss it? So, but, but that lack of development and lack of kind of initial sort of polish, that first coat of paint... Sometimes shows up like weird kind of defensive decisions, weird offensive decisions, and then also the concern, um, you know, you you have a significant knee and a significant ankle injury. Does it affect your athleticism? Does it affect your burst? Does it affect your verticality? Does it affect any of that stuff? Um, that could be a problem too. So the medical stuff will be interesting to watch. Um, but here's here's the 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 skinny on AJ Griffin. Forty four point seven percent from three, Mike. 71 of 159, very, very good. Um, his success from three does not reflect in his jumper technique. Extremely <laughs> wide uh, base, really funky-looking jump shots, like almost a set shot. It's like uh, I'm talking like his shoulders, you know, your feet are supposed to be shoulder-length apart. His feet are like out here. I mean, it is like he's getting way down, you know, ch- very, very mm-hmm. uh, what do you call him, not chicken leg, uh, Bow-legged? But not the opposite of bow-legged. Pigeon-toed kind of. Oh, okay, yeah. Like how Dirk would shoot mm-hmm. free throws, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, very much like that. Very bizarre to look at, but 44.7%. Like he's, like he's riding a horse. Kind of, yeah. Okay. And they were all uh, and they were all swishes. I mean, very pretty. Um, only got 7.6 shots per game at Duke. That's not threes. That's field goal attempts because <laughs> he played with Paolo and he played with so many other guys. Um so in the NBA, you know, it, I'm sure he wants to be more than an eight field goal attempt per game guy. Does the experience being more of like this, he was a starter, played a zillion minutes. Does his experience being that guy help him in the NBA because he knows what it's like to be more of a role player? Or does he want more than that? And is he, is he going to want to be the, the focal point of an offense? We'll see how that happens or how that plays out. But uh, kind of like I said, how whenever Jabari puts the ball on the floor, uh, he kind of looks like Kobe. A.J. Griffin moves and looks and has the same sort of body type as Jimmy Butler. Mm. It's like a tank of 6'5", 6'6". Just mm-hmm. like, and I think that's 6'6 with shoes. He didn't do the combine stuff, so he might be like 6'4", 6'5". 
Um, just a tank of a of a guy. Fearless, mm. strong, like bigger players bounce off of him when he's going to the basket. But at the same time, you know, you, you watch Jimmy play basketball and you're like, oh my God, he is trying so hard. Like mm-hmm. nothing Jimmy Butler ever does looks like it's easy, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, same kind of thing for, for, for AJ. Um, it looks like it's hard, but that doesn't mean anything. It's just like, it's interesting to watch. It's entertaining to watch. Um, and I think that at the same time that missing two years of basketball affected his sort of basketball development, probably helped him build out his body a whole lot because he is like a very sturdy dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and with his skill set, the ability to shoot, he's got, again, seven foot, so that's a plus-plus wingspan for being a 6'5", six, 6'6 six, six guy. Uh, projects as a 2-3-4 switch, guard everybody. Uh, again, good defensive technique. His dad is excellent defensive player, like kind of the, the key defender for the Mavs whenever they went to the finals in 06. Like he's like a really, really good defender. Um, so, you know, good, solid defender, tries hard, works hard, strong, thick, great jump shot. Could plug him in right away and play. I guess the question would be how much better can he get? Because like Jimmy Butler was the 30th pick in the draft. Every year got better for like seven years and eventually mm-hmm. made the All-NBA team or whatever. Is AJ going to do that? I mean, nobody ever does that. That was like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But, of mm-hmm. course, Jimmy Butler was picked 30th and not 7th. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, very, very, very interesting player and uh, very efficient and just seems like he knows how to play. See a TJ Warren comp. Does that, that square with Is you? Is it because it's AJ and TJ? Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay. Um. I don't know. I mean, TJ Warren is like 6'8", isn't he? He's like a little bigger. He's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Uh, AJ's a little smaller. I mean, I, I don't know. I could see maybe TJ Warren, but TJ Warren is a 20-point-per-game scorer of the NBA. I mean, that's tough to do. Yeah, TJ Warren's 6'8". Yeah, and six, it, seemed, nine, it felt like whenever, whenever TJ first came to the league, he couldn't shoot threes at all. Like, AJ no. can already shoot 45%. So, yeah. now, college, but still. Yeah. No, he's more intriguing than I thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean... His, there's some... There's some zest to his game i mean he's fearless dude he's going to the basket like you have to he's challenging you to stop him and if you do very in the same way that jimmy's just so good at like kind of pump fake spin into the fadeaway from like six feet this like weird dead zone uh aj can do that too i mean very very impressive very impressive player awesome um next guy i have is keegan murray and if i told you there was a a forward a big um not necessarily center but um forward slash power forward for Iowa that led the Big Ten in scoring. You probably got it, honestly. <laughs> like, he's he scores a lot. Like, he's he just gets buckets, dude. Um, oh, sorry. A.J. Griffin is... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He could be a problem. He could be a problem. Could be a problem. Okay. Um, yeah, Keegan Murray, like, most of these guys, I load up the Synergy machine and I hit play on, like, made buckets, and he had, like... 305 made buckets and I was like damn bro I ain't watching all these but I'll give you I'll give you 15 minutes here to impress me and he's just the upside the limitation on the upside is so like right in your face not super athletic not like an elite shooter um a lot of his stuff is just like around the rim getting this little touch bucket and like this weird pull up and um so you you see like okay there's not going to be anything else there necessarily but it's still really cool to be able to score like 20 points a game and really helpful to a team um would i take him like he's KOC has him 
fourth above Jaden Ivey, I'm like, I don't think I'd do that. Um, but if you can get him to be your small ball five, that can bring some juice. Like, I think that's a very, very good bet to make. Um, a lot of Tobias Harris uh, comps. If you kind of can feel not the quickest of foot, not the best athlete, but good enough across the board, great feel for the game, honestly. Like, He's a um, multi-year player, right? Uh, yeah, sophomore. Um, yeah, sophomore. 23.3 points a game last season, 38% from three on 137 attempts, 8.6 rebounds, 2.1 blocks, just fills it up. Like a synergy page is going to freak you out too because everything's either very good or excellent like just across the board and percentiles. Um, I, the term I liked that KOC used in his was low-maintenance score. Okay. Like you get it, right? Like yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. But also like it feels like something in the NBA that they'll just kind of like let you do. Unless it's just like on the margins, like, okay, I'll let Harrison Barnes go ISO for 25 possessions if he wants to. Mm. If he can make 55% of it, you win the game. If you make 45% of it, we win the game. Mm. And so it's just like, I don't know. I don't value that particular type of player a ton. But if he's the best one of those, like, can he be a top five pick? In this draft, I I guess I wouldn't take him over Jaden Ivey, but again, no one's asking me uh, in the room. 1.4 points per post-up? Yeah, dude. Good God. Dude, he gets buckets, like, Always, there's no bad decisions. Everything just makes sense. He's a, he's a winning player, but also he's definitely going to score 20 points a game at some point during his first contract, and you're going to need to pay him a lot of money. Mm. <laughs> like it's just going to happen. Like those guys that like outpace mm. their usefulness once they reach their second contract. Like I already see that headache happening. Um, but the difference between him and a lot of dudes that are just kind of like softer, smoother bigs that can get buckets. He's a really good and versatile defender. Um, but going to be 22 years old. Like I said, not a great athlete. Um, the biggest compliment I can give him is like feel for the game. Knows where to shoot from, knows when he's open, plays at his own pace. Um, the kind of dudes that get to the league and the inverse of Jaden Ivey where it kind of gets like harder for him because you're not going to get post-ups. And a lot of these ways that he gets buckets just don't exist anymore. Um, my biggest question is like, where's the upside? Like, what? Where do we go from here? You're gonna be 22 as a rookie. Like, you get a lot of points out of post ups. We ain't doing that. Sorry. Um, now he can be a starter or closing games at a five if he can learn to play defensively against multiple positions and things like that, right? But the athleticism, I don't, I don't think that's ever gonna change necessarily. But still, a really stinking good bucket getter player he's a bucket um scoring is a stat it does they, help. they, they do count they do help. count they yeah. they keep tally yeah uh in these games and but he just feels like a harrison barnes tobias harris kind of like okay a team will let you go iso and do your thing like 20 possessions a game if you want to this guy has to learn how to you know shoot be deadly from three and knock down five threes in a game and make them play out on you. And then, then you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like what, what, what teams are constantly trying to do right now is like, 
just make your defense collapse and have this gigantic like system failure of how you're trying to defend them consistently. I feel like in the playoffs, if I could get the ball in Keegan Murray's hands and like just go, yeah, we're all just going to stay home. You do, you do you. See what happens, bud. Mm. Go ahead. Like I think that's – and, again, he's going to get taken fourth or fifth most likely, and those aren't playoff teams. But, um, yeah, I don't know if Detroit – I don't know. I don't know what the best fit for him is, but he's he's worthy of a top eight to me. But I like, I like Jaden Ivey more. I just do. Shots fired at UKOC. Yeah. We know yeah, you're watching. Yeah. Um, all right, up next, Baylor guy, Jeremy Sohan, six Sohan. foot nine, seven foot wingspan, 230 pounds. Uh, this dude is different. He okay. is just different. Um, nine points per game, 47 from the floor, 29 from three, 59 from the free throw line. So obviously the shot needs a lot of work, and it looks like it does too. Uh, kind of this like hitch cock back at the top, and he doesn't really jump that much either. So there's a lot of wrist, which means mm. you get a lot of weird bounces, a lot of like caroms off the rim, mm-hmm. like you know, kind of ag- aggro misses. Um, but this dude, destructive defensive player, dude, chaotic, active, aggressive, in your face, not gonna back down, forces a lot of turnovers. Like opponents, uh, pick and roll ball handlers. T- Turned it over 38% of the time against him. Whoa. 38% of the time. Okay. Uh, opponents were 5 for 32 on off-the-dribble jumpers against him. He's got length. He's got strength. He's got size. Knows how to use it. Knows how to move his feet. Really good polish technique, too. Um, just a, a really, really good defender. Really good defender. Uh, gets, gets like the the Ben Simmons comp in that regard mm. because it's not like Draymond where you're going to stick him under the basket, but those guys both have in common that they can't shoot necessarily on offense or, or won't shoot um, in some cases. Uh, Sohan's path is pretty interesting. So he was born um, in England. Uh, or Wait a minute. Yeah, born in England or bo- either born in the States then moved to England right away or mm-hmm. was just born in England. I don't remember. Um, came to America for high school and then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. So he went to Europe. His mom is Polish, uh, Polish basketball player, I believe. Um, so went to, to Poland, went to Europe with his mom, uh, played a season of pro basketball in Germany for Orange Academy. It was the third tier of their – so there's the Bundesliga on top, and then there's Pro A, Pro B. Um, Orange Academy plays in Pro B. Played a season or like 25 games or whatever. Averaged 11 points, five boards, and one and a half blocks. So he has experience playing pro, even though it's mm-hmm. relatively low level. But still – uh, represents Poland nationally. He's already competed in Eurobasket qualifiers. So, like, he's played some pretty high-level games um, in some some weird environments, which suits him well, um, you know, for gaining experience and all that. Um, and also explains how he has such good fundamental technique, too. Because, I mean, like, the way he plays defense, and, and he's got, like, the hair, like the Dennis Rodman, mm-hmm. like pink hair, blue hair, green hair, gold mm-hmm. hair. Um, so he's sort of and, – and he has this tendency, not that he's, like, talking a bunch – but the way that he plays just kind of raises the temperature a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, fans like to boo him. He's not taking cheap shots at guys, but like he's also going to contest their shot at the rim, which is going to make people mad. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, fouls are going to be a, they're going to hurt a little more against him. And so you know he gets like the the whole Dennis Rodman deal, but there is um, a lot of technique to what he does too. So it's not just you know just like Dennis, dude. Dennis amazing rebounder, but like Sohan is not you know, uh, going to get 55 technicals in a season or anything the way that Dennis would. Um, 
Really, really impressive defender. And also offensively, too, kind of another reason for the Draymond Ben Simmons comp, which I, I don't necessarily buy into, frankly, but he can pass the ball. Um, you know, he's not going to shoot his first instinct is to look for cutters or look for guys that are actually open. He can put the ball on the floor. Uh, Baylor had Kendall Brown, who's kind of a you know, bigger guy. He was connecting with him a lot. Uh, they have a guy named Flo Thamba, not Bo Bamba, Flo Thamba for Baylor. Uh, he found him on a lot of high-low stuff, found shooters, uh, was always spacing, respacing the floor, dribble, going, you know, looking for guys to go into dribble handoffs with, like just moving the ball always. Um, not in a point guard way, but he would bring the ball up the floor. Like he's he's not a he's not a minus with the ball in his hands, despite the inability to shoot, which makes you think, man, if you can develop a jump shot, then oh my god. Um, the other really interesting thing about him is that he only started one game all season. Uh, he was a freshman relatively lowly regarded, ranked 90th overall in the top 100. Mm-hmm. So still considered a top 100 player, but only 90th overall. Um, came off the bench counts. for them all year, was the, the sixth man of the year or whatever. Um, but in the first eight games of the year, he played only 20 minutes per game. In the final 22 games, he played 27 minutes per game. So as the season went on, became more important. Um, just a, a very, just a really, really good player. Just a good basketball player. Missing the jump shot and and the free throw like needs to totally rework the jump shot, but mm-hmm. like he's like a nineteen year old with a shaky jump shot, but he can do everything else. Mm-hmm. Like I, sounds good. Like I'm in. You know I'm into it, and he's fearless and he's intense and everything. So I I I, I like his game. He's an interesting player. Why did he not go to Auburn? That seems like the Auburn guy <laughs> this year. It seems like Isaac Okoro or oh, like oh yeah uh, yeah kind of. I mean I don't know. He's like he's like a man without a position because yeah. he, he's six nine. He's listed as like a small forward. Yeah. But he would close games as their biggest guy sometimes. Like wow. he could sort of be your your every your everywhere kind of player. Um I mean he's like built like Otto Porter, but he can't shoot like Otto Porter. I guess that's the difference between them. Yeah. But uh and he plays much better defense too. But that's you know, whatever. I'm just talking about phys- physical comp. Um I'm I'm intrigued. I'm I'm very intrigued. Did you say he was a problem or he's different. He's different? Okay. Yeah. He's different. Gotcha. Uh, next guy's kind of cut from the same cloth. Um, Dyson Daniels, guard, combo guard, G League Ignite. Uh, he is an Australian gentleman, and I believe I read somewhere he's lived in five different countries in five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, well, a jet lag. Yeah, but a big guard, uh, like 6'7", and they said he's still growing at the combine. So 6'7", like 200. Um, but not like... He's a G League AAU combo guard, like not a great passer, not a Jalen Suggs type where it's just like floor general uh, to the max, not even a Jalen Brunson type. Um, Just kind of I'll handle the ball enough. I'll do uh, some pick and rolls. And he's very he's actually very good distributing the basketball out of the pick and roll, which is for his limitations. That's one that can override a lot of them Um, and just being able to navigate a pick and roll nonstop throughout a game just over and over and over again to make the right decisions. Great at that. Um, I think he's, I mean, I'm not going to speak to this, but people have said he's the best perimeter defender in this class. So throw that into it. Um, like I mentioned, humongous ball handler at six, seven plus, um, where it gets weird is the negatives. Like it's, he's such like a polarizing skill set. Where the shot creation and just overall ISO offense, it's not it's not happening. Like it's 
try and bully a smaller guy and they get in a little like hook shot or something. It's just stuff you don't see in the NBA, like the way he got buckets. Uh, can't really shoot right hand almost exclusively and not a super fast uh, a ball handler. So it goes both ways. Best defender, excellent passer, can navigate a pick and roll, but you probably just sag off of him in the NBA. So can you ever shoot? He's one of those dudes. Is it like Kyle Anderson? Yeah, he does get a Kyle Anderson comp, I think, okay. from KOC. Um, I didn't have a great comp for him. Uh, Derek White, Kyle Anderson, Evan Turner. That kind of like... Okay. Oh, that's a... Yeah. That's a, a lot of range. Yeah, it really is. Derek White is like playing key minutes in the finals. Yeah, right? I know, <laughs> I know. And Derek White, I think, is a better shooter than ever. I don't know. Those guys end up being fine shooters, too. Mm. Um, but it... <laughs> It it makes if I if I tell you that KOC has him going to Portland, does that make sense? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's okay, yeah, continuing yeah. the tradition. Yeah. Anthony Simons, like all these guys mm. are like just like very raw. Um, Anthony Simons rules now. He's awesome now, well. but it took like yeah. however long it took, right? And mm. that's kind of like the bet with with Dyson Daniels is um, great perimeter defender can clean up on a pick and roll. Um, you know, if Dame's playing next to him, for instance, uh, but there's just like extremely flawed player but extremely like the if you do like in football like the the web thing you know what i mean i'm, I'm talking about it's like, oh yeah 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 if it would just look insane it would just be like a weird triangle like can't shoot at all but best perimeter defender mm. and it would just be a very polarizing skill set um but obviously played in the g league last year uh with the ignite so professional already um so these type of dudes end up going somewhere around 10. Just depends which team decides they can sit on a top 10 pick for a couple of years until they turn into something. Um, but Dyson Daniels is a problem. Problem? It's a problem. Okay. Defensively, a problem. Because he is going to get in your kitchen. Like, he is that good along the perimeter. Slides can stay in front of you in a stance. Like... Just really, really game-changing on-ball defender. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of a lot of these young guys, man. He's young. He's you know eighteen, mm -hmm. nineteen years old. That already know how to defend. It's good yeah. to see because there's for the last fifteen years, it's like well, last fifteen years. Who am I? To do? Last ten years, five years, especially. It's like none of these guys know how to play defense at all, but mm -hmm. they can all do cool stuff with the ball. Yeah. This year, it's like all these guys know how to deep play defense. I just wish they knew how to do something. Yeah. With the ball. I wish they could shoot. So yeah. 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 Uh, all right, my last guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the bucket rating, even though I think in the NBA he's gonna oh, wow. be a, he's gonna be a little more of a problem, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin, two year guy, six four, six eight wingspan, 196 pounds, is basically like the most shooting guard guy. Just is a two guard. Mm -hmm. uh, where's number one? Was used at Wisconsin almost like Devin Booker, like mm. coming off screens to get the ball, sometimes facilitating, uh, loves pulling up in the mid-range, prefers the mid-range. Uh, unlike Devin Booker, though, he struggles with his three. He shot 30% from three. Uh, Devin Booker, obviously a fantastic three-point shooter. Uh, Davis, 20 points per game, 43, 30, 79 splits, 8.2 rebounds per game. 8.2 rebounds as a 6'4 guy, two assists and one steal. Um, he was 
watching him at Wisconsin to continue the Devin Booker thing, which mm. he's not Devin Booker. I'm just talking about the way that they used him. A lot of, again, a lot of pins, things like that. Um, he was like watching Devin Booker on the Suns in like 2017. <laughs> yeah. Like his usage rating last year was 31.6. That's like Luca level usage yeah, for a college team. Now they were good and he was good. Um, he's not going to have a 32 usage in the NBA. So it's like a totally going to be a different so? player. Yeah, no. Um, but shot creation is interesting. Um, the ability to drive is interesting. He can make some passes. Defense, I'll get to in a second, is what's going to help him stay in the league. Uh, but his game is like full of contradictions, kind of, because he's got, and I was showing you some of them earlier. Mm-hmm. He's got like this great burst, but there's like no explosiveness at the end of that. He's just, he can, like almost Davis Bertans. Like Davis Bertans mm. running in a straight line. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. And then like, what's what happening? Is, yeah. What, and then, and then what happens? Like, mm. so, you know, there's, there's no real like verticality at the end of that. And while he does have a limited vertical leap and explosiveness, he's an amazing rebounder. So, like, how does that work out? Um, and he's super talented and like knows how to get to his spots and like he looks comfortable in the mid range, but the shooting touch just isn't there. So it's kind of like I don't know. I don't really know what to make of him um, at the rim this season. Ab- about the verticality point, he shot 62% at the rim. Uh, Jaden Ivey shot 68%. AJ Griffin, who we just talked about, 72%. So mm. uh, 62% is very low. Um, you know, in the NBA this year, Jalen shot like 66%, and mm-hmm. Jalen is much smaller than Johnny Davis. So, uh, you know, got to be able to finish around the rim, but that kind of reflects his inability to sort of create separation. It turns a lot of what would be dunks or layups mm. into kind of like, uh, yeah. kind of like weird mm. off balance runners. Um, but the thing that really stands out about his game, you know, it'd be easy to like be this monster alpha on offense and then just do nothing on defense. Just Wisconsin all they have is guys that play defense. Like, that's just what they do. They play mm-hmm. very slow pace, and they – okay, so you have a guy with a bunch of offensive talent, so let the four defenders handle it. But no, no, no. He's like – he wants to be like the linchpin of the defense too. Um, plays hard. And I not like – not plays hard in the sense that like he's going to talk trash and like make a bunch of plays that stand out and be this real fiery guy. He just like busts his ass. Mm-hmm. Like he's diving for loose balls. He's fighting for rebound. Like he wants the rebound. Um, against bigger guys, like he's just going to leave it all out there, like the Dorian Finney-Smith style of like, at the end of a game, how is he not exhausted? Kind of effort expenditure, um, which has this really sort of like uplifting effect on your teammates. I think, especially if you're scoring a lot too, um, they get inspired watching you play defense. So he has that. Um, the, he has the want to. You know, he moves his feet. He uses his body. You know, he's not super thick, but he uses his body well. He's not super quick, but he uses his feet. He's not super long, but he uses his hands. Uh, he's not super bouncy, but he goes for rebounds. Like he just, he just, he fight. He punches above his weight on defense all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, makes up for it with effort, motor, desire, and also knowledge too. I mean, he knows what he's doing, um, and it, that's just a really, it's just really impressive. Uh, really impressive. Now the question is: Is he quick enough as a six-four guy to defend point guards? Probably not. Uh, but I mean, then again, Reggie Bullock is super quick and sometimes he's even not quick enough to defend point guard. Mm-hmm. So quickness alone, isn't what's going to get you there. You got, it's a lot of it is technique and kind of, you know, working within a five man system. But, um, you know, for a guy that he's going to almost have to go through this sort of identity reformation going into the NBA, because he's not going to be a 31% usage, 20 point per game score in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could be the 
head of the snake on the second unit or something potentially um but where he's really going to be able to to play is off ball decision making and then also defense just desire effort hustle yeah i mean the one-on-one defender stuff as you were explaining that like nobody can stay in front of your Lucas. Yeah, no your, one can guard Dame. Yeah, really. no your one. Devin Booker's your Dame. Steph. You know. Yeah, like no one can do that anymore. So it's it's almost can you just give a crap for 24 seconds at a time over and over and over and over and can stay. Can you not be the bullseye guy? Yeah, and you play. Know, don't and play, be the target. Yeah, they can't hunt you. Yeah. That's like the biggest compliment, right? Because you're going to play within a system, and they're going to ask you to do some stuff, unless you're Dorian or Reggie, that shouldn't be – the most difficult thing on earth. You should be able to achieve this if your defensive coordinator like has you cut out for the right role. Yeah. Can you give this effort over and over and over and and make these plays over and over and over? So, dude, he fights. There was a play, it wasn't even in the tournament, like it was just some game. Mm. I mean, he's like leaping over his own bench to save a ball in bounds. Like he is going <clears> to <throat> he's going to leave it all out there. Yeah. Very very cliché guy. Yeah. But that's what he's going to do. Yeah. No, that's exciting. Um he gave Jaden Ivey the work in one of the games. I think he dropped like 30 on him. Um, so <laughs> might have to watch him at some point. He can point. get hot, man. He yeah. can get hot. Yeah. Uh, final guy that I have, this will not take long. Uh, <laughs> and I don't want to say that as like a negative on him. It's just like, he's just not a hard scout. Like Jalen Duren, center, Memphis. Exactly what you're thinking a center from Memphis is. Like um, he's just a pick and roll roll man. There's no shot there. Um, he took zero threes. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, not not happening. Um, built like the Rock, like like I don't know if he can turn around all the way. Like he is muscled up. Um, not as tall as you would think, though. I think he's like uh, six eight, six nine, um, six ten, I guess measured. But that's with no shoes. I or that's with shoes. I yeah, think. yeah. He just the reason I say he doesn't play. Oh, sorry, one three-point attempt, my bad. One, yeah, one three-point attempt, 11.9 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, 2.2 blocks. Um, watching him play against Chet was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> a 6'10", 230-plus-pound guy versus seven-foot, 190 guy. Like, they just had some, <laughs> they had some weird interactions on the court. Um, so the, the bet with him is for him to become something that doesn't exist in the league anymore, which is DeAndre Jordan... Um, so you're, you're, you're putting like a top 15, maybe top 11, 10 pick on a guy that if he reaches like peak, peak, peak outcome is a position that just doesn't really exist anymore. Um, even Dwight shoots threes, right? Like, uh, and I mean, Dwight plays 10, 15 minutes in the playoffs, Mm. you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't want to work my, uh, theology about centers into this conversation too much, but he's just like not quick enough and not bouncy enough to be on the court consistently as a pick and roll role, man. Super strong, super athletic, um, big enough to defend almost anybody and willing to defend almost anybody. Just. There's not a ton of fluidity in the hit. Like it's like Jalen Smith, the um, Maryland, oh, Maryland guy. Don't break my heart. I know Jalen Smith. it's it's very much that, but also not as bouncy. 
It's he looks like remember Joey Dorsey from Memphis. Like that's okay. That's yeah. like yeah. I mean he gets buckets and he carves out space and gets like easy layups, but there's like just nothing really else there besides the one trick he has, which is pretty awesome, is transition. Like he will get at the basket and fill the lane, and he gets out and runs. Like he is dead sprint at the at the at the at the hoop and on the break. But there's just like it's not very complicated. Like how many teams want that guy? How many guys? How many teams need a center that they're eventually going to have to pay big money? Um, I guess Robert Williams is probably making him some money right now, making Jalen Duran some money and some draft capital because Robert Williams can play and defend multiple positions and has been awesome these playoffs. But that's like one, and they're not paying him a crap ton of money. And I don't think Robert Williams went in the lottery. I think he snuck out of it. He was it. like twenty fifth, yeah. which was a crime, by yeah. the way. Yeah, it was absurd. Yeah. Like uh, Kevon Looney again, same thing. Yeah, you know, again, he's not making the max. Right. It's like you you don't take centers in this range that are this type of center. You don't pay centers this type of uh, archetype twenty plus million dollars a year. You know what I mean? Like it's just like you're a role player big in the NBA, which is fine. But KOC has him going eleven, and I'm just like, damn, bro. Okay, he's gonna go in front of Jeremy Sohan and in front of Johnny Davis and. Mark Williams and all these other guys. Okay, let me watch those guys and I'll I'll report back. But he's it's just a standard Montrez, uh, you know, fill in the blank big. And Capella, kind of not. But Capella's quick jump is well beyond what Jalen Dern has. Okay, like yeah. like that ability to just like hit thirty five inch max vertical and like that like mm. half step that Capella does. Jalen Dern does not have that. Mm. He's not he's not like a giant oop guy, like catch it and yeah. throw it down in midair. Huh. And so my enthusiasm for that type of player, like not even like Dwight level, you know what I mean? I mean Dwight could sky, man. Yeah, Dwight's got a huge max vertical. He does require like some load up to it. Um but I'm just not super huh. enthusiastic about centers that don't have the lower body like that and are just pick and roll roll men. Um, but good defender can bring a tone 100%. Like he can bring like a Robert Williams like edge to everything. Um, I mean, how many minutes are most teams playing that guy? You know, mm-hmm. they just aren't on the court a lot and then aren't on the court hardly at all in the playoffs. So why would you take that guy at 11? Nothing against Jalen Duran. I'm more talking about this position. Yeah, that why you are you running back in the first round? Yeah, so uh, just not in love with the movement, movement skills and fluidity that he has either. Um, so it just a lot working against him. Um, but defensively, and if you get on a team that can just, you know, find you as a role man a um, couple, couple times a game, then you can have a career, a role, uh, be a meaningful player. Um, a problem problem a problem all right figuring out what to do with him a problem no. <laughs> oh no, no don't be mean don't be <laughs> i'm just mean. kidding no he can be a problem like his physicality could legit be a problem yeah i mean you can't coach that can't coach yeah. size can't coach toughness Dude, he is strength you know he is man and that could size. set the tone if nothing else just for the first 10 minutes of yeah a game or first six minutes of each half like, yeah yeah does I mean, have an effect there's guys out there like yep. jared allen has exceeded my expectations mm. you know what i mean like yep. there's guys like that that are out there that i'm like I didn't see how you were going to survive in this league. And you're a meaningful player, and mm. 
you go out there and you kick people's asses for like 10 minutes at a time, and that's awesome. He might be that guy. I don't think he has the balance of Jared Allen or some of those dudes, though. Maybe he develops it. I don't know. The rest of his body tells me like he can probably do whatever he wants. Yeah. He puts his mind to it, but dude is he looks like he's about to go like play tackle or tight end for the Cowboys or something. He is rocked up. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So there you go. There's ten of the top players. We're not gonna claim they're gonna be the top ten, but they might be uh they might be one through ten in that order. Who knows? They might be uh top fifteen, they might be top fifty. You'll just have to tune in to find out. We'll be back for part two of this on Thursday. Uh also don't forget Mavs twenty two draft. I guess that's what we're calling it. <laughs> Mavs <laughs> on Thursday, June twenty third, yeah. seven PM Central Standard Time ish. Live yeah. on Twitch, ish. Yeah. Live on Twitch and YouTube. You can follow us at Mavs Studio Forty One on Twitter and Instagram, specifically Twitter. If you want to know for sure when we're going live, or you can go ahead and follow us on YouTube. Follow us on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Follow us on Twitch, um, and uh, you'll get the notification that way as well. I'm Bobby. He's Mike. This has been part one of our draft. Uh, we gotta keep studying up film for part two, so that's I'm what Jayden we're gonna go do now. Jalen, so keep the tally on the bottom of the screen. Ah, well, just wait till part three for Dalen. Of, of Jaden, Jalen, Dalen, Shadens. I'm gonna make it all. I'm gonna make all Jalen, Jaden, deviation of Jalen team. Got to do it, man. Yeah, it's what the people want. Got to so. do it. Um, all right. Until then, uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good day. Did I miss any other uh, sign-offs before I leave? Nope. We got the go-ahead. All right. King Cobra. Did I miss any other? <laughs> That's good. It adds personality. Right.